This is the Physical Therapy Quest podcast with George Tate, session number 28. Welcome to the Physical Therapy Quest podcast, where it's all about sharing the experiences from others in physical therapy. We aim to help answer your questions while you navigate the various opportunities in the profession. And now, your host, George Tate. Joining us today on this episode is Dr. Cameron Marshall. He is a doctor of chiropractic and sports injury specialist who holds a fellowship through the Royal College of Chiropractic Sports Sciences in Canada. His primary research and clinical practice focuses on evidence-based treatment and the management of concussion and post-concussion syndrome. Dr. Marshall is the founder and current president of Complete Concussion Management, a global network of sports medicine and rehabilitation clinics who provide evidence-based concussion care programs within their communities. He also serves as an executive board member for Brain Injury Canada. He will go on to share his knowledge and experiences when it comes to concussion management. Dr. Cameron Marshall will also share the multiple resources and different platforms that he's sharing these resources on to provide value for those following him. He will also discuss where he thinks concussion management is going, along with resources to guide someone who might not see this patient presentation all that often. Here we go. Today's episode, I would like to focus on just your perspective on the role of physical therapy and our role in concussion management. Um, it's unique because you have a background in chiropractic and a residency in sports. So um, with everything that you're doing with Complete Concussion Management, a network of licensed multidisciplinary healthcare practitioners, and uh, there's a lot of moving parts there. So if you don't mind sharing what your perspective is on the role of uh, physical therapists and chiropractors in concussion management and uh, what differences have you noticed over the years? Um, differences in what respect? What do you mean? Um, the way that a just anybody in that multidisciplinary team has approached concussion patients or just management of concussions. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll address the first question um, first, just in regards to you know physical therapy being a part of concussion management. I think that you know there's there's tons of research now coming out looking for you know effective therapies and treatment options for patients with concussions and. Most of the evidence um, that, that we're finding actually is that, you know, medications aren't effective for concussions, at least none of the ones that we have currently. Um, there's a few potential medications that might help with, you know, certain symptoms like headaches and things like that. But overall, there's no, you know, there's no real strong evidence for any type of medication or pill being you know beneficial for concussion patients. And most of the research actually shows that things like, you know, vision therapy, things like exercise therapy, um, manual therapy of the cervical spine, rehabilitation for cervical spine function, such as, you know, joint positioning error stuff and um, uh, vestibular rehab is another big component, right? And so when you look at kind of um, – you know, all the therapies and treatments that are available for concussion patients, most of them are rehab. And so our, our mission, and this is something that I kind of fell into uh, when I was doing my sports 
medicine fellowship. So I did a two-year postdoctorate in, in sports injuries. And so that's kind of a specialization. And concussion became the entire focus of my thesis project. And I kind of immersed myself in concussion literature. And and in going through all that, just was going through just the, the overwhelming amount of evidence when you look at things like whiplash versus concussion. And you can see this, the, the major similarities between the two conditions. And, you know, you look at the treatment options for whiplash and it's all, it's all physical therapy. It's all chiropractic. It's all, you know, manual and rehabilitation professionals that are, that are treating these things. And the overlap in symptoms between concussion and whiplash is pretty much identical. It's a, it's a direct mirror. And if you took a concussion patient and a whiplash patient, you actually can't tell the difference between them. They both can have neck pain. They both can have headaches. They both can have visual disturbances and balance problems and everything else. And so in kind of putting all this together, I'm just like, man, like why is there no, there's no real good, you know, rehab programs for concussion. I mean, typically the program of care right now is you go see your, either your GP or your, you know, your sports medicine doctor. And there's, there's really nothing after that. And, uh, so in kind of going through all this, this is kind of the whole idea behind this program is, is rehab professionals should be at the forefront of this, you know, this particular injury, but a lot of therapists still aren't really aware that, the tremendous role that they actually play. Um, and so it's just such a, such an interesting field, such a huge, you know, area for therapists to, to, to get involved in. I think there's so many facets in which we can help. And I think that's really one of the, one of the whole driving factors behind our program at least is to empower therapists to be able to help as many people as we possibly can. The more trained clinicians are, are, you know, the better off people are going to be in terms of their recoveries. Absolutely. And when it comes to that recovery and this team that you're uh, referencing, um, how important is it just to have communication across um, everybody involved in the patient's plan of care? Obviously, to a certain extent, um, regardless of the patient's case, you're going to want to have fluent communication but based on your experiences, what is the what is the importance of making sure that's on the forefront of the plan of care for the patient? I mean, communication is massive in in healthcare in general. I think that it's not only from the from the healthcare side of things, but it's also you have a lot of people involved in concussion cases now. So you have everything from you know their school teachers, the um, professors at college, the uh, the coaches, the trainers on the sidelines that are you know trying to wonder you know what what's going on with this particular kid. Are they allowed to come back and play yet, or are they not, or is it a concussion or is it not? Um, and then you get the multiple professionals that may be involved from the healthcare standpoint. You may have an emergency room doc that's seen them initially. You may have uh, you may have their family physician or a sports medicine professional that's seen them a couple of times that's managing the case. And then you have the therapist that's seeing them probably more frequently than anybody. And, you know, how is that communication line getting disseminated? Well, the current, you know, historical way of things happening is that you're writing faxes and you're writing letters and, you know, you're trying to provide for, for let's say an injured student, you're trying to provide certain academic accommodations and you're trying to, you know, keep the coach in the loop by writing letters and having phone calls. Well, that's extremely time consuming. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, one of the things that we've tried to do, we realize the importance of keeping everybody in the loop because everyone has a role, you know, even at the coach or the trainer side of things, like they have a role on the, on the, on the sidelines, on the bench to, to recognize an injury, but also to be able to, um, 
provide, you know, that the help and assist with the return to play process. And so one of the things we've done with our program is we've, we've made everything digital so that we have an electronic health records system and, um, and we've made a, a an application that uh, like a, 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 a smartphone app called concussion tracker. And what, that's for is for coaches on the sidelines. And so we'll provide them with education and training. So they're able to kind of pick up these injuries and also educate them as to what the role is when they're trying to return somebody back to play. And so this is something that an AT, um, or a coach, or, you know, if they don't have the budget to have an AT on the sidelines, you could have a coach or an AT there that can report an injury directly to the clinic. So if there's a suspected concussion, basically it walks them through a sideline assessment just real quick. And once they submit that report, it comes directly to the person's clinic in their area. And so that clinician now gets that report and we can fast track that patient into the system. But what it also does is it notifies everybody else who has access to that patient. So if their teacher has the same application and has that particular patient as their classroom list, it'll notify the teacher that they've had a concussion. If this player, if this player plays multiple sports, like let's say they get concussed playing hockey and they also play on the football team and lacrosse team, it'll notify the football coach and the lacrosse coach that, you know, Johnny's just suffered a concussion potentially. And when they come in and get the full diagnosis, the app will update that based on just what we do. We don't have to fill out, you know, multiple letters to whoever else. We just go on our system and we we just enter it in and you go click, here's the stage that they're in. Diagnosis is confirmed. It notifies everybody. And so it's just such a, a, a time-saving method of being able to provide communication. And then when they're going through that return to, to school, even the teacher can provide us updates, right? Because we're not going to be in the classroom with that kid, but the teacher could say, you know, Johnny came into class today, started complaining of a headache, you know, within 10 minutes, what should I do? And then we can actually reply to that and say, you know what, let's, uh, let's pull them back a little bit or whatever. So now you, you kind of know what's going on, even though you don't have to be directly involved with everything. You don't have to write a letter to everybody because as they go through that process, everyone's automatically update updated based on your clinical notes. Um, and so right now we have that kind of on the primary clinic standpoint and, uh, the smartphone application for the teachers, the coaches and the trainers on the sideline. But we're, we're now like the next phase of that is trying to get that into even the physicians and the specialists so that all of that can be kind of coordinated and communicated. Yeah. I mean, that sounds awesome. It just sounds like so seamless. You just keep everybody in the loop. Everybody always knows what is going on. So I believe that you would, you've gotten uh, very good feedback from that. Yeah. for I mean, we have, I mean, people love it. That's the one, <laughs> that's the major thing that, that sports associations love. And it's kind of a differentiating factor, obviously, between us and other programs that are out there because there's people that have apps, right? There's, there's apps for... Mm-hmm you know, sideline concussion assessment apps and there's, there's balance apps and there's, you know, whatever, but it doesn't connect with a clinician. So who really cares, right? You're going to do this program and you're going to assess somebody's balance on the sidelines, but then once they go, where do they go? And what does that information provide to anybody? Whereas this it's okay, we'll assess their balance on the sideline, but this is going to upload directly to a clinician's portal that has your baseline on file that knows exactly what your balance was pre-injury that can see, are there any red flags presenting themselves right now on the sideline? And does this case need to be escalated or not? And then when they come in, you know, that it's, it's just such an automatic thing that I don't even have to think about notifying all the people involved because the technology's already done it. Through this technology, you're able to, you know, inform and educate 
whether it be coaches on the sideline, trainers, other people in um, the healthcare system that are part of that patient's plan of care. Complete concussion management, you're providing so many resources in video, audio, um, training if you want to become a clinic that provides, um, you know, certified accredited concussion management. As far as all of these tools, what ones are working the best for you to best inform um, those out there that may not be as versed in, you know, recognizing a concussion or even treating a concussion? I mean, we have, we have multiple, um, you know, methods and, and, and courses and, you know, modules that are available. So I think from, if you're talking about the person who's going to be the, you know, the sideline person, maybe the coach, maybe the parent, maybe the teacher that, that, doesn't need to know the entire clinical management standpoint and isn't, you know, they're not a healthcare professional. So it's for them, we have uh, just like kind of a one hour course that's online. Everything's online just to make it more accessible for people, but it's a, it's, it's a one hour course. Um, and it just covers kind of, you know, just some basic information. And I think that, you know, one, one of the things, most of these courses that people take, um, especially for teachers and coaches and stuff, they're so basic. They're just, here's the symptoms and when in doubt, sit them out. And, you know, that those are good messages, but I want people to understand why they're, you know, sitting somebody out and what the potential implications are for that. So we actually go into a little bit of like pathophysiology. Like we talk a little bit about the science. We talk about why having, you know, multiple hits back to back can be harmful. And here's the science behind it. And this is what happens in the cells. And we kind of explain it to them so that, so that they understand that. But for, for that level, for a coach, uh, even like a sideline therapist, um, it's just a one hour, you know, course that covers some of the pathophysiology and the importance behind, um, you know, pulling somebody out of play and also the importance behind following the proper return to play strategy. You know, don't just put in your policy that you need a doctor's note because, you know, mm-hmm. it, it should be, it should be, you need to be seen by somebody that has like advanced training in this. You need to be seen by somebody because of these reasons. And I think it's important for them to understand that. So that's our sideline course. Um, and that one's available to anybody. And for the healthcare practitioners, we have, we have what's called the level one uh, course. And you can find that too, that that can be purchased by anybody as well. And that's just kind of your pathophysiology, biomechanics, a little bit on CTE. So that's kind of just to get your feet wet and understand the injury a little bit more. And then we have our full um, clinical management course. And that one's like reserved for licensed healthcare professionals. Um, so PTs, ATs, DCs, uh, MDs, uh, we've had a number of, um, physicians, sport med physicians take it. Um, and that one is very, you know, very in depth. Um, it's about 30 hours worth of training. It's the most comprehensive one that we've been able to find, um, that's out there. There's a lot of like vestibular type courses that are available, but a lot of people, a lot of people misconstrue vestibular for concussion. I mean, vestibular is a component of concussion, but there's so much more to concussion. And you have these people that, you know, even that come and see us all the time, they'll say, oh, you know, I was getting vestibular therapy for six months and I'm still where I am and I'm still feeling the way I am. But no one's ever put them on a treadmill. No one's ever assessed their visual system. No one's ever done any of this stuff, right? So um, I think there's a misconception that vestibular is concussion. And I think that's something that needs to kind of be um, I guess educated a little bit more to the therapy side, but for those interested in the full, you know, if they, if you really want to treat concussions and you want to be, um, you know, seen as kind of a leader in your field, uh, this course goes through the whole 
kind of gamut start to finish. And, um, once that one is, is completed, these are the ones that we actually certify as uh, complete concussion management locations and, and list on their, on our map and give them access to our system and give them the back end access to the application so that they can start working with, you know, local sports clubs, local schools, things like that, to be able to be the local provider for their area. Mm-hmm. As we know, research and the way we practice is constantly changing. Uh, my first question is, how do you keep up with that? And um, how does that look like getting the new uh, ways we address certain patient presentations? How do you how do you get that out to the people who are taking your courses uh, as soon as you can? Obviously, it's going to be constantly changing, but how do we keep up with it when it comes to concussions? So... <laughs> for the most, for, for, I know it's, 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 I mean, what we have, like we have a research team and mm-hmm. it, we update our protocols every single month. And there's probably on a monthly basis, there's probably over a hundred brand new studies in, in the field of concussion that come out every single month. We're learning so much. And I think what, what happened about 10 years ago, um, is there was just this explosion in concussion and, and people started actually funding concussion research. And so now if you look at almost any institution that's out there, it, concussion is the hottest topic. There's every single research institution that's out there um, has a concussion research program. Uh, and so there now all this research that started five, six years ago is now starting to get published. And so there's probably a hundred studies a month on on concussion, post-concussion syndrome, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, rehabilitation, uh, medication, um, naturopathic or, or um, dietary potential, like just in the, the, the injury is so complex. And so, um, you know, so multifaceted that, that the amount of research is insane. And so we, we start like, so what we do just to give you an idea of how much, how much work this, this takes is, is so I, um, we, we started, you know, four or five years ago and we started with a, with a course that covered kind of all the stuff and we updated every single year, the entire full course, but anybody who's within our network, we give them monthly research updates. So we have a research team, myself and a couple of other individuals who meet every Tuesday and all the research that's come out for that particular week, we go through, we read all the abstracts, we decide, you know, is this a study that's worth, you know, downloading the full copy of, and we'll get those those full studies, we'll divvy them up and then we'll come back the following Tuesday and we'll go and review everything that we went through. Here's this study. What's the quality? Is it worth implementing? Is it worth not, you know, throwing aside whatever. And, and then at the end of the month, once we have kind of that, uh, that framework of maybe kind of 30 studies that are worth including, we send that document out to all of our certified clinics to try and keep them up to date as well. Right. Because they're the ones on the front lines. They're the ones that are going to have to have that information. So we always keep them as up to date or more up to date than anybody could possibly be. And then after a year goes by, we take that 12 months of research review and then we go, how does this fit into our overall course? And then, then we redo the entire course from the ground up. And then, so every year we're, we're very, um, we're up to date with the course. And if anyone takes it, let's say halfway through the year, you know, they would be able to then go in and access the resource portal that we have on our system that would then give them all the updates since the course has taken place. So it's um, to try and do that on your own 
is uh, you can't you can't do that on your own. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm just talking about the practicing, you know, therapist, oh, yeah. the, the the practicing sports med doc. They don't mm-hmm. they don't have time to keep up with that, and then also keep up with everything else in terms of all the research surrounding you know various um, you know ACL protocols and whatever else. I mean, you got you got so much stuff on your plate that the idea for us is to try and keep people up as up to date as possible, deliver the most cutting edge um, stuff that's evidence-based and make it easy for practitioners to be able to apply it so that they're not the ones having to go searching for all this stuff because it's, it's overwhelming to tell you the truth. I mean, there's a lot of clinics that will contact us and say, yeah, we're running a concussion program, but I can't keep up. And we just want like some help. And there's other ones that will contact us and go, yeah. So we started looking into running a concussion program. I don't even know where to start. Because it's just, it's so, it's so crazy. Like, I mean, and this took me, this took me two and a half years of, of straight research to even put it all together to start with. Then since then it's been every single, you know, every single day, every single week, constantly updating it. So I think for somebody to try and come in and and figure that out from the ground up is, is quite difficult. Yeah. And even if they can, it's going to take them years to, like you said, just be able to grasp everything that has come out. And on top of that, there's going to be new stuff to look at in addition. Exactly. Yeah. Like when I got in, when I got involved, I mean, it was still, it was still a relatively, you know, early phase. And so, um, I guess I had that, that benefit of, of, you know, we didn't know a lot, so it was kind of easy to catch up. And now it's like, holy crap, what do you do? <laughs> it's, uh, and, and it's so funny because everything's so contradictory, right? And I, I think that goes for all research. And I think it's important to go through that because what you, what you see published today will be completely refuted tomorrow. And then the next day it'll go the other way. And so you end up with, if you were just to read, you know, a couple studies here and there, you would believe something completely different than what, you know, than what is actually real. You'll start thinking that, you know, for example, like CTE for example, is, is the big one where everyone is just totally sold and totally on board that the concussions lead to long-term brain damage. Well, in, in actuality, we don't really know that, uh, the evidence that's out there, there's some studies that, that, that show that link, but there's a lot of others that kind of refute that possibility and say that, well, maybe it's something else and maybe we're missing something. And so it's one of those things where if you're just to read a couple studies, you'd think, okay, this is for sure a thing. And it may very well be, but what I think we need to consider is the fact that there's always there's always different sides of the, the the story, and we have to make sure that we're kind of reading everything to put it all together to try and develop the best clinical picture. And I mean, for us, we try to not have any type of bias whatsoever. I mean, it, I know it's always hard to do, but you try to just look at everything. And I mean, our goal our goal isn't to provide our ideas or what we think is appropriate. Our goal is to provide, here's a summary of the evidence. And so when we present even our courses, it's like, here's all the studies over here, but (laughs) here's all the studies here. And let's think about it this way. Here's all the studies. Here's all the studies here. And you know, so what do we know? Really not a whole lot uh, on, on, on this particular topic. Now let's move on to the next topic. And I think it gives people a good appreciation for, you know, what the current status of the literature is. And also then it, it helps them to think critically about certain things and kind of become a better clinician. I think that's important. Absolutely. So as you're so surrounded in, in this current spot uh, with concussions, if you were to guess, what would you say the research literature and the way we practice, what would you say that looks like um, with the patient who has a concussion, post-concussion syndrome? What does that look like a year down the road compared to what it looks like now? In terms of the the rehab that's available or uh, just, like, like newer stuff coming out, you mean? 
Yeah, just the way we address somebody who walks into the clinic with a concussion. What do you, what do you think it's going to look like uh, a couple of years down the road versus what that uh, plan of care looks like now? I think I think the big shift that's happening now is getting people active early. And I think so. So just to kind of give you the background on this for, for people that are listening is that, you know, the, the mandate has always been, well, if you have a concussion, you got to rest, rest, rest. And even that's, that's been so, you know, now ingrained into people's minds that, you know, parents will come in with their kids and, and say, well, they did everything right. They rested, uh, and they weren't on their phone and they didn't do any of that stuff. And, but they're still symptomatic and I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why we did everything right. We did what the doctor told us to. And we're starting to realize now that actually, you know, long-term rest is actually detrimental for people. It, it can make them worse. And so I think that the shift is now on and I think we're going to see And so like the University of Buffalo started studying this mostly with people with persistent symptoms, post-concussion syndrome, and they would start putting people on treadmills. And what they realize is that those with persistent symptoms that have been resting, 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 actually getting them exercising in, in the appropriate way. There's a specific protocol to follow with the Buffalo treadmill test and then going into kind of a post-exertion, um, you know, building on top of things to improve blood flow. But they found that the exercise actually got people better. So it, we started to have this shift in people saying, well, what if we were to start this exercise, you know, a little bit earlier? And so it kind of got itself down to kind of two, three weeks. And it's to the point now where we put people on treadmills, whether they like it or not, at two weeks. So if you come in and you're still symptomatic at 10 or 14 days, we put you on the treadmill and we try to establish is, do you have a blood flow issue? And we get you exercising. Now, the newer research coming out is showing that maybe it's not even two weeks, maybe it's right away. You know, maybe it's within the first couple of days. And so there was a big study in Ottawa, um, um, but it was it was it was a kind of a self selection thing. So it was more of a retrospective study where they called people, you know, after their concussion injuries, after they've been discharged from the emergency room, and they said, um, you know, do you have persistent symptoms? Are you still symptomatic? And this is thirty days later. And then they, and if they said yes or no, they would then ask them like, when did you start kind of getting yourself back into activity and exercising? And they would give an answer. And what they found was that those that got themselves back into exercise earlier um, actually were less likely. Likely, significantly less likely to have persistent symptoms. So this idea of, of earlier activation, I think, is now going to be the way in which we start we start treating patients. And um, there's a study now that's in that's in press um, from from one of my colleagues um, at the University of Toronto um, doing some cool stuff with exercise in the very very early. Um, stages and um, showing some pretty good promise. And so I think that's going to be a, a big shift in the way that concussions are managed. I think we're going to start activating people sooner, sooner, and sooner. Um, and again, the, again, therapy-based, right? How many, how many physicians are sitting in their office with treadmills? Right. Not very, not very many. Right. They're going to outsource that to a, to a, to a trained PT. And so that's the idea is let's get these PT clinics, get, let's get these AT clinics um, that have treadmills in house. Like let's get them trained up. Right. Cause they're the ones that are going to need to be doing this. And um, so I think that's, that's an important consideration. Um, I think the way technology is going, there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff. I think that, um, you know, there's, they're getting closer and closer to finding, you know, potential blood biomarkers to be able to, to confirm, you know, diagnosis of concussion. I think we still have a long way to go 
on that, but I think, you know, maybe in the next 10 years, five years, they'll have something on that. There's a lot of technology coming out, looking at the visual system and how that, how that responds and is affected by concussion. And so uh, there's a lot of clinical tests right now that you can do that are, that are fairly easy to administer uh, with just a little bit of training. But I think there's some technology too, that's you know, like pupillometry, which measures, you know, pupillary constriction and, uh, you know, in, in, in response to light. And they'll look at like the time it takes for your pupil to constrict and whether or not there's a latency there and things like that, which can potentially become a biomarker, but still needs more work. So I think you're going to see a lot of really interesting um, technology play into how we, you know, diagnose, how we manage. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it, like I said, it's just exploding. <laughs> Say somebody is treating or is not really around patient population who may present with a concussion. Obviously, there's courses like your own and there's research out there that people can read up on. Obviously, the research is, might be harder to grasp per your description earlier. But if you were to give a couple tips to someone when it comes to recognizing a patient who comes into the clinic who could potentially be suffering from a concussion, what would some of those be? So the um, the diagnostic criteria for concussion is actually quite minimal. It's easy to I guess I don't want to say it's easy, but it's the, the, the symptoms uh, of a concussion, there's 22 main symptoms. And, and basically the general um, diagnostic criteria for concussion is, was there a mechanism of injury and mechanism is, is acceleration of the head. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that they had to be hit directly in the head, but did they have a fall? Were they, you know, in a car accident? And even if they didn't hit their head on the steering wheel, they could still have a concussion because it's, it's the head whipping back and forth and the brain moving inside the head. And so if there was a mechanism of injury, some, some sort of accelerative, you know, or deceleration force that that's occurred and do they have any one of the uh, you know, concussion like signs or symptoms. And so if you were to, uh, if people are looking for a resource, they can look up the, uh, Berlin concussion consensus statement, which is, which is the most recent kind of international document, uh, made by all the experts in the world. Um, and there's, there's a thing in there called the SCAT and it's, it's the sport, uh, concussion assessment tool. And it's the SCAT five, actually, if you, if you want to look it up, you can Google it. It's a free document. And what, what's on there is, is, is the, 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 the post-concussion symptom scale, which is zero to 22. Um, there's 22 main symptoms and they're scored zero to six. And so if the person has had a mechanism of injury in any one of those particular symptoms, so headache, dizziness, nauseousness, uh, blurred vision, uh, trouble concentrating, confusion, um, any one of those signs or symptoms, uh, and they've had a mechanism of injury, that's grounds to diagnose a concussion. The problem is none of those symptoms are very specific. So, because like I said, the same thing can happen with, um, with a whiplash injury, right? You could have an acceleration type injury, and not hit your head and have headache and have dizziness and have confusion and be kind of in shock. And so, because you just had a car accident, does that mean you have a concussion? I don't know. But in terms of, you know, just the way that we manage it is that we just err on the side of caution and just consider it a concussion and we treat it as such. And uh, I think that's, that's the most appropriate um, way to go. And I think that if you are a professional and you don't 
necessarily feel 100% comfortable with concussion, I think you probably should be referring that on. Um, because if you're, if you give people the wrong advice, it can actually create a lot of issues. Um, and like I said, like, for example, like rest is detrimental, but I think a lot of professionals would still say, Oh, you have a concussion ball. Okay. Make sure you get lots of rest, go home and, and do nothing. Don't go on your phone. Don't do any of that stuff. And I think what that kind of does as well is it kind of medicalizes the condition and it creates a little bit of anxiety and fear within the patient. And, um, and I think that can actually start to do some damage. And so if you're, if you're not very comfortable in terms of what you should be doing at what times and, and exactly uh, what the protocols should be based on the best evidence we have, then I think the big thing comes down to recognition, right? If they've had an injury, some sort of acceleration and any one of those symptoms, recognize that it could be a concussion and then try to refer them on to the appropriate person with, uh, with concussion training. Maybe it's one of your colleagues, maybe it's a sport medicine doc, uh, who knows. Awesome. Um, we're going to kind of segue a little bit. Um, I talked about this with you earlier, just your views on concussions and post-concussion syndrome in the geriatric population. Mm -hmm. um, where I'm currently at, I'm seeing um, a lot of motor vehicle accidents, a lot of traumas, a lot of falls, whether that be from a ladder, whether that be down the stairs. When it comes to the geriatric population and anybody suffering from you know, a mechanism of injury that I described, but adding on, you know, them being a little older, how do you tease out uh, the comorbidities, the multiple medications that they may or may not be taking? Um, how, do you, how do you tease that out and how do you address uh, that population a little differently than the, the normal sports person that you may be seeing with a concussion? So, I think you have to look at it in what kind of phase the person's in. I mean, you're in a trauma center. So if you're getting, you know, patients coming in after a motor vehicle accident, the big thing with, with the geriatric population is, you know, determining whether or not there's been any fractures or more serious type injuries. I think there's a higher uh, prevalence of, of brain bleeds, brain swelling, uh, fractures, you know, a little bit less bone density in that, in that population. But you also have to worry about what type of medications are on, you know, are they taking blood thinners and that type of stuff, which could increase their risk of having, you know, bleeds. Uh, and, and it definitely increases the, um, the suspicion, uh, of, of those things happening. And you should be ordering probably more likely to order specific imaging, uh, for those types of patients, just because there is a higher risk of having some of those more serious things. Um, when you get into the, the, you know, the more subacute phase, um, I think that because of, <laughs> Exercise, like I said, can be beneficial, but you then have to worry about, okay, well, what is this person's, you know, exercise capacity? Do they have a heart condition? Um, you know, is there a risk of falling if they were to, let's say, walk on a treadmill? And uh, there's certain there's certain criteria for those specific exertional tests um, through through kind of the, the the Buffalo treadmill test and that type of stuff that um, you know you should be paying attention to. I think this really the the big thing is just keeping your thinking cap on, uh, in that, in that population. And if the person's still complaining of dizziness, well, are they on a new medication and what is the, what are the side effects of that particular medication? I think, um, with that population also co-management is going to be huge, right? You're going to be, you're going to be working very closely with, with their physician, with their, with their health team, uh, with their current therapists, if, if they have them for, for other types of conditions and, you know, what are the other injuries that happened at the same time? I think there's just a higher, 
there's a higher likelihood of, of bad things to happen initially. I think there's also a higher likelihood of having, you know, a persistence of symptoms because some of the things that we would normally do with a, with a healthy, you know, athlete are, are a little more challenging with, with that population. Uh, there's medications, there's comorbidities, there's, um, and even just living and lifestyle type type thing, mm-hmm. do they do they have a spouse? Do they have a caregiver? Do they have uh, family in the area? What's their social network like? I mean, there was a study that came out of, uh, I think it was, I think it was either South Korea or maybe Japan, but they looked at they looked at people getting concussion and coming into the emergency department and what their recovery was like, and they found that there was one of the one of the best predictors of recovery was having uh, a strong social support network. Right. So what kind of, what kind of friends do you have? Where do you live? What are your, what are your resources? Um, I think those are all things to keep in mind because as people get older, they get more and more isolated. And, um, you know, that's, that's, I think another thing to be can, cognizant of. So there's so many, you know, there's so many facets. And I think really it's just really keeping your thinking cap on and, um, and, you know, trying to co-manage and, and, and make sure you're understanding everything that's going on. Try to be aware of the situation in every aspect and slowly tease out one from the next while Ex- keeping everybody on the team involved, I would, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, like the medications, right? So, okay. So the, so the big thing is dizziness. Okay. Well, I, so the way I kind of look at it is I go, okay, well, here's the main symptoms. And I have a specific algorithm that I like to, that I like to follow for post-concussion syndrome cases. Cause it helps you to kind of tease out what are the causes. Um, and so as you're kind of working through that, it's just, it's going, okay, let's, let's try this. Now, if that provokes things, then there's an element of this there. Let's, if that, if that doesn't provoke things, well, then it's one of these other five things. Okay. Well then let's go down that road. Now let's try this one and that one. So I have a specific kind of algorithm that I've, um, that, that we've kind of created through all this evidence and piecing everything together. And, and that's my, that's my go-to. Like I kind of follow that, you know, pretty much to a T, uh, with most of the patients I get, because then you don't get kind of confused by everything. It's just a standard kind of, here's what I'm going to do. Step one, step two, step three. And it helps you to put everything in, just rule things out in an, in kind of an appropriate manner. Uh, and if you get to the end of it and you're still having, okay, I'm still not sure about this. You know, you gotta be, you gotta be looking at all the other facets, right? Um, like anxiety, for example, about whatever can create a lot of the same symptoms as, as concussion. Uh, depression can create a lot of the same symptoms as concussion. Like I already mentioned whiplash, um, medications, uh, rebound headaches, uh, you know, the side effects of a lot of medications. If you're looking at most medications, it's, this can cause headaches, nauseousness, uh, mental fatigue, mental fogginess, uh, drowsiness. You know, if you read this, the, the signs and symptoms of concussion, you're going to get the exact same list. So, um, I think that's, that's an important one to keep in mind. So, well, just to kind of wrap things up, would you mind just sharing the resources that you have? You have the website, you do the Facebook live answering three questions. You're on SoundCloud, you're on YouTube, Instagram, obviously, where should people go amongst your resources? Um, and what will they find there? Uh, I think if, well, I mean, if they're interested in, in taking like full clinical training and kind of getting into this and being a part of our, our network, um, if you go to completeconcussions.com and, um, there's a, I, I think slash become a clinic, maybe, uh, maybe I should just double check that, but, um, I'll link it in the show notes too. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, if, if, if they want to do that, they can go down that, uh, road and, and, 
we basically link them up with, with a person in kind of their, who's, who's responsible for their area and kind of helps them through that process just to just to kind of talk it out and make sure it's the right fit. Uh, make sure their clinic is the right fit. Make sure they have the right staff, make sure they have all this stuff. And then we kind of walk them through that process. So if they're looking for that, uh, they can find that on our website and you'll, you'll, you'll link it in the show notes. If they're looking for, you know, I'm on Instagram, uh, at concussion underscore doc is my Instagram handle. Uh, you can follow the complete concussions Instagram page as well. It's at complete concussions. Uh, Twitter is at CCM concussions. Uh, our Facebook page is complete concussion management. They can like that. We're always posting content, new studies, um, trying to keep, you know, the public up to date as well, as well as kind of the therapy side of things, just, you know, new studies come out. We're, we're pretty quick to, uh, to push them out so that you can get some information that way. Um, yeah, every week we do, uh, we do a segment called ask concussion doc, uh, and we just film it on, uh, on Instagram live, Facebook live. And, uh, we do it usually on a Wednesday around noon Eastern. And, uh, and then we, we just save the video. We put it onto our YouTube channel, um, complete concussion management, YouTube channel. And, uh, and from there we usually throw it over to uh, SoundCloud and, uh, and iTunes for a podcast as well. So just a quick, you know, 15, 20 minute type segment just to get your <laughs> weekly concussion, uh, questions answered. Absolutely. Any other things or comments, questions you would like to um, talk about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a, there's a fear among people. I think that parents are afraid they're pulling their kids out. I think that athletes, you know, current professional and you know, future professional and former professional, uh, and even kind of just those that played college or maybe high school, you know, sports, um, there's this, there's this fear. And I think that a lot of that stems from, a lot of misinformation. And I think that as healthcare professionals, I think we have a, we have a duty to, to step in and provide, you know, therapy, rehab, uh, learn as much as we can about it, but also make sure we're providing, um, appropriate information to patients. Cause I think we can, we can stop a lot of that and make patients feel a lot better about, um, you know, their current health status. Well, I'd like to thank you again, just genuinely, obviously I, I thanked you already, but it really, really means a lot to me to, to have you reach out um, and wanting to be the go-to person for concussions and just taking the reins, fully dedicating yourself to all the research, trying to keep up with it and creating great resources to get all this new research out there as soon as possible. Um, I just want to personally thank you for doing that. And I'm sure the community, which will follow you for all this great information, will be doing the same. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, I'd love for you to subscribe to my show. And if you find this valuable, please share it with somebody else. As always, you could visit the physicaltherapyquest.com for the show notes and more materials. See you.